Okay, welcome to today's podcast. Great health does not have to be a mission impossible. And here is your boom. Boom! Let's get started. So I need to talk about a topic that we're seeing more and more in the office. And we have oral intolerance. We have immune intolerance. We have leaky gut. And we have people with leaky gut that have this thing called endotoxemia. So today's topic is going to be about endotoxemia because it's coming up more and more. And one of the most common but important issues when you have intestinal permeability or a, a, a leaky gut, otherwise known as, is that you have a worse condition when there's endotoxemia. And I'm going to get into the definition of that in just a minute. So endotoxemia really, or even permeable membranes, was first identified in dentistry. And they realized that if somebody had, let's say, uh, periodontal disease or um, bleeding gums, that they could potentially have infections and affect the rest of the system. And so these barriers then break down, then these bacteria get in there and they cause an infection, and then these infections get released into your system, and this is what's called endotoxemia. And so as the world has learned more what causes a leaky gut or gut permeability, there is a connection if you eat a bad diet. If you don't if you only eat one thing in your diet, because you maybe you're eating broccoli every single day and that's the only thing you eat, that's not enough food or what's considered diversity to help your gut health. Maybe you take a medication. Maybe you have too much stress. Maybe you have diabetes. Maybe you have hypoglycemia. Maybe you have a thyroid issue. Maybe you take exogenous hormones. Maybe you take a particular medication that takes care of that. There are a lot of reasons that you can get that. Genetics is one too. So there's a lot of research that goes out into leaky gut. And with this, you get more and more information about what impacts somebody with chronic disease and chronic inflammation, which can also be a perpetual trigger for leaky gut. And the longer these things hang out, the more you have an opportunity to have hidden infections or subtle infections that all of a sudden become endotoxemia. And while a lot of people that come in our office do have intestinal permeability, there's a difference between somebody who has intestinal permeability without endotoxemia and one who does. And again, there are a lot of potential reasons for that, but let's get into endotoxemia. What does it mean when you have that plus leaky gut? And what do some people who have a lot of symptoms get or have chronic disease from it? Why do some people have no symptoms with a leaky gut, which is difficult to explain sometimes. Hey, you got this problem. We have it in there and I don't don't feel anything. I feel fine. I didn't even know. I eat eat whatever I want. Everything's fine. Great. (laughs) And then uh, how do we identify it? So we have some tests that we use in the office and applications of it. And then what we're going to do. All right. So let's talk into this. So when we test in our office for a permeable membrane or leaky gut, the Markers for that are called zonulin-occluded antibodies, and we've gone over that in the leaky gut and a little bit with um, oral and immune intolerance. But when you have an antibody to something that pulls the cells apart, it's called intestinal permeability. Now, if it gets worse, it can actually go between the cells and tear those apart, and that's called actomycin. And that's even a worse condition for healing. But most people have occluded in zonulin, and and, um, if you have a chronic inflammatory diet, so you're eating highly inflammatory foods. Um, You know, it's not necessarily that you need to be gluten-free after you have a blood test. It's sort of like, I I 
equated in the office to, if you're not a smoker, why don't you smoke? And they go, because it hurts and it causes an illness. And, I'm, and that's the same thing with gluten. That is the same thing with dairy. You may not have a dairy sensitivity, but dairy is inflammatory. Now you combine that with life. I mean, the last two and a half years, there's a lot of stress that has gone on. Maybe you aren't as active as you used to be. So sedentary lifestyles do that. Exercise. And then maybe you have an injury that you can't exercise, so you're not doing one thing, but could you do anything else? Or you eat these inflammatory gluten and dairy foods, and now you have an autoimmune condition, or you have uncontrolled diabetes, or you have blood sugar that goes up and down and up and down, or you no longer eat foods that have antioxidants, or you don't take them, or <laughs> you have a condition that eats them up, such as high blood pressure. I think you can see where I'm going with this. There's a lot of combinations that have a potential for a leaky gut, which means that this occludin and zonulin, which are the basis of a tight junction to keep the gut together, start to open up. Now, when the, that begins to open, food proteins, because we know that you are eating, begin to cross. And one of the first things that people notice when they start to get a leaky gut is they re develop reactions to foods that they never had before. Hey, when I was a kid, I used to eat all these spicy foods, and now I, I don't touch them. Or I, I anytime I eat meat, um, it just seemed to bloat or I have a symptom of a headache, uh, I itch, I can't sleep at night. And so these people are um, at least aware that there's something that's going on. Now, some people have a leaky gut and they have no reaction to food. And part of that has to do with how they digest their food. So when we are looking in our office and we have to, to, to run a test for food sensitivities with a leaky gut, it's because of their digestion. I'm just going through how everybody in our office doesn't need a food sensitivity test. But there are people, when they need a food sensitivity test, they need a food sensitivity test. Um, there's a difference in a, in a concept that goes through it. So let's compare patient A, patient, patient B. Um, we've already talked about patient A, patient B. One has endotoxemia, one just has leaky gut. Um, both of them have leaky gut. One of them does not have endotoxemia. The one without has a better prognosis, and um, it, they'll heal faster. But now we have two people in a different situation that have intestinal permeability and their gut barriers are open up because we run a test and we found it. Now, one person is inefficient in digesting of their food. And this comes from the stomach where it develops this thing called hydrochloric acid. And hydrochloric acid's job from the stomach is to stimulate the gallbladder to allow the gallbladder to emulsify fats. And then the release of pancreatic enzymes that goes into the small intestine, which is where this leaky gut begins. And to break down this food so you can absorb the energy. So this one person who is not making enough hydrochloric acid um, by probability because digestion is north-south. Saliva, stomach acid, um, bile salts from the pancreas, sorry, from the gallbladder and pancreatic enzymes and now they're not breaking down their fats properly. Now they're not breaking down their proteins properly. Now they're not breaking down their starches because pancreatic enzyme is starches, bile is fats, and the stomach is um, hydrochloric acid to break down proteins. So if this one person versus the other is not breaking down their foods, it's a completely different response of what happens to them. So both individuals have a leaky gut, and the person who's able to digest their protein, by the time their food gets to their small intestine, it's all broken down. Um, they're into amino acids, so no immune reaction. Because you have to have these large boluses, which means a um, think of uh, when you take a bite of an apple, 
Okay, that whole bite of an apple in there, we'll call that a bolus, okay? But you sit there and you chew it and you chew it and you chew it and you chew it. And then it essentially becomes applesauce in your mouth, okay? Those would be like the amino acids. It's broken down. So one person is getting it that's coming in as a whole bite and the other person isn't. Well, think of the immune system. It has to have something to bind to. So if they're very, very small, there's nothing to bind to for the, amino, for the antibodies. The immune system can see a bolus, a large piece, and they can bind to it. And so this other person who cannot break down their food, they're not digesting their food, has a much bigger issue. And so they get these undigested food particles, much larger in molecular weight, and they cross because there's an opening they should have never been able to cross. And now we get something known as a food sensitivity. So when I have two people in the office, and that's, this is how it can be even family member, well, I have that, well, I have that, well, I didn't have this, and I have this, or, or they're comparing with their friends or, or family, you know, I've been diagnosed with a leaky gut. I don't have that, or I've been diagnosed with a leaky gut, and I have all these problems. It's, it's up to the practitioner to understand and explain, educate what's really going on with their patient and what the differences is from the type of leaky gut or the other additives that go in there. So when we have a unregulated diabetic that has all this um, and or endotoxemia, the prognosis and the repair on this is extended greatly versus somebody who just has this leaky gut and the trigger just might be what their diet is. Um, that's it. They have some inflammatory foods that get in there. All right, so I just wanted to, to make that pretty clear that, that one option or options can make a poorer picture and when we need to run food sensitivity. So if you have hypochloridia, meaning low stomach acid, you just won't digest protein well, which means you won't digest starches well. And most of the time when you do that, there's a symptom. It's called bloating and distension. Um, you know that there's something going on. You might have any itching. You might not be able to eat things. And then you start to swell. And so that's when you get into a condition that's called maldigestion. And maldigestion is the inability to produce digestive enzymes. And that's different than a leaky gut with proper digestion. So uh, it's, it's a bigger issue. And then again, there's another one. What if you have maldigestion, inability to produce enzymes with a leaky gut plus endotoxemia? You can see how these get more and more complicated as they go along or um, that they need to be evaluated. If you have just been told, I'm, I'm going to step on my soapbox for just a second. If you have just been told that you have a leaky gut and that's the end of your conversation, is that enough information for you to change your life? Is it enough information for you to, to manage, to mitigate? Absolutely not. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not trying to beat up on practitioners. It's our job as doctors to understand and learn every single mechanism we possibly can. I know we can't know everything, but if you're giving this, if you're treating this, if you're talking about this, if you're um, making statements about this, you better dang well know about it. Now, I have conditions that come into my office, and I have to tell people I don't know anything about it. I really don't. Um, now I can go research and take a look at it, but that doesn't mean I'm an expert on it. Now I, now I know of it, um, and I can read the treatment and pathophysiology and everything goes with it. That does not make me an expert, nor do I really want to treat something that I don't know firsthand about what's going on. Now, there is a chance that a secondary condition, let's say related to a leaky gut, so let's say somebody comes in with this um, really nasty skin situation and they've been to dermatology and rheumatology and endocrinology and their PCP and everybody else and no nothing's working okay so we'll look at it from a physiology standpoint what's your blood sugar what's your blood supply how are things working and 
just out of curiosity, because you probably have an immune reaction, the immune reaction comes from the small intestine, let's just take a look at gut function, you know, um, because nobody's sending you to a gastroenterologist, or if they did, they did a colonoscopy, they didn't find anything that was, that was there, because you don't see a leaky gut under um, a colonoscopy. You don't. You're looking for something different. You're looking for these nasty things, destruction or polyps or um, worse, cancer. So it doesn't show up there, and that's, that's fine, or endotoxemia doesn't show up there because it's in the bloodstream. So in those cases, we look at a different way. That doesn't mean that that is the number one cause, but that's the tool I have. Um, but if they came in without going to all those other doctors first for a condition that I don't know about, I refer because I don't know about it. And so you need to be with an expert that knows more about it. So let's go talk a little bit about this periodontal disease in the American Dental Association. It leads to chronic inflammation all over the body. And then one of the biggest risk factors that comes along with it is you get heart disease, cardiovascular risk. And so the American Dental Association is very good at promoting good gum and dental hygiene to prevent risk factors such as cardiovascular disease. Now, whether you listen to them or not, whether you go to a dentist, whether you get a deep cleaning, whether you floss or not is up to you, whether you use a mouthwash that's natural that doesn't kill all your normal microbiome bacteria uh, so that you can keep your uh, gums healthy so that the plaque that goes underneath that, think of placking in your teeth the same as placking in your, your arteries. It's not good. Uh, there's something wrong with the microbiome. There's something wrong with your gut. There's something wrong with your digestion. It happens, but how, how can we keep it down? So the idea is once you get in control of this placking mechanism, when you go to the dentist, there is no extra digging. It's just um, maybe there's a spot here or there and they, they take it off or maybe there's no scraping at all. High five and you move on, you have started to manage it. But we have to manage the, the mouth as well as we do the gut. So they go together. And so, again, as these poor, these germs, like let's say from the mouth, get into the bloodstream or from the gut, get into the bloodstream, it causes inflammation throughout the body, and that's called endotoxemia. Sorry, that was me. I hit something. Uh, so when this happens in the gut, there's a different name. It's not periodontal disease. And that bacteria in the gut, especially a adverse bacteria, a bacteria that's not supposed to be there, this is when a person has what's called dysbiosis. And they can have bacteria that release these endotoxins. Bacteria producing endotoxins are called postbiotics. Now, postbiotics, some of them can help the body and some harm the body. The postbiotics that harm the body are called endotoxins. And because they're inside the body and it's a toxin inside the body, that's what the term endotoxin is. Now, endotoxemia means that the endotoxin is going into your bloodstream or your circulation. So that's where the term endotoxemia or endotoxin uh, means. So you're getting a little Latin test, but that's okay. Now you know. So I want you to be educated. So if you talk about this, you know what you're talking about. So diets that are high in sugar, or people that have unregulated blood sugar, diets that are high in bad fats or processed foods are low in fiber and low in antioxidants. Shift your normal bacteria to dysbiosis. They can feed yeast. So if you've ever been told you have yeast, these are reasons why. So the standard American diet is fast food and lots of sugary drinks, whether it's sugary coffee or sugary pop or sugary something or a, a, an energy drink. Um, Americans tend to eat very few vegetables. And this shifts your body into dysbiosis. And once you have dysbiosis, you have a higher opportunity and a higher population of unhealthy bacteria that have the ability to create leaky gut and then endotoxemia. 
So um, one of the compounds that these adverse bacteria produce is called lipopolysaccharides. We're going to abbreviate that moving forward as LPS. This is a sugar protein substance. The LPS is the endotoxin. So if I have a person who has very tight intestinal junctions, but yet they got an infection, let's say from Shigella or Salmonella or E. coli, we've heard of those before, those all produce endotoxins. And if they have nice tight junctions, they're not going to have a problem, except for when they go through their fever and they get rid of it, called food poisoning. So for the most part, th those are, are good. But let's say somebody has inflammation. Let's say they have a leaky gut. And these endotoxins, which are normally flat, all of a sudden get into the, the uh, circulation. And these, we'll call them, don't want to call them bad bacteria, but un, uh, non-helpful uh, bacteria that have these LPS, which are the endotoxins, now get in and they cause systemic endotoxemia. This is the worst form of leaky gut. So again, two people that have leaky gut aren't the same. We have to look at everything. Um, but let's say we have, again, two patients. One is eating a very healthy diet, very good foods, lots of fiber, lots of plants. They don't go out to eat anywhere. And they're eating all the superfoods and broccoli and acai and blueberries and colorful diets, and they have a leaky gut. But they don't have dysbiosis, but they have a leaky gut. But they have a lot of good bacteria, but not these bad bacteria. So they have tight junctions that are open. They have things that are leaking into their bloodstream, and they're not having any symptoms. But we have somebody who has dysbiosis. Again, it's going to be a worse situation when they have uh, a bad diet. So when we have a leaky gut, or if you've been told, been told that, you need to make some changes at least then. And hopefully they, they told you, hey, you have to go and uh, change your diet if you're not already doing it. But um, just by changing your diet doesn't heal a leaky gut. There still are things we have to, to deal with. Now, what happens with these LPS um, endotoxins as they get into the bloodstream is they bind to something called a toll-like um, receptor. And these receptors are found throughout your body. Um, specifically, the one we're looking at is toll-like receptor 4. And these LPS bind to these receptors. And these receptors can be in your gut, can be in lung, can be in your brain, can be in your joints, can be in your skin. Anywhere that you have a cell membrane, which is everything. <laughs> so... Um, these LPS bind to these um, TLR4 um, receptors, okay? And when they bind to them, they create inflammation. And the pathway that turns on inflammation is called NF-kappa-beta. Now, NF-kappa-beta is a very inflammatory. And there isn't a medication that's out there that I know of uh, that can help that. But that's what we have to use when somebody has this massive situation, whether we're using um, uh, turmeric, sucumarin, resveratrol, those go in and slow down the NF-kappa-beta pathway. Um, and when you have that, it's just more uh, fuel in the fire. So um, you, you, if you already have a brain fog, maybe it's from blood sugar, and then now you have endotoxemia and TOR receptor activation, it's going to be worse. So now we have two people that come into the office. Um, one person has endotoxemia, one of them doesn't. One of them has autoimmunity, one of them doesn't. Um, you cannot compare the two the same. This is where individuality and you cannot treat. Everybody gets the same product. It is impossible for these conditions. Now, in, in our office, 70 to 80% of the people that walk in our office have a leaky gut. That, and, and for the most part, as a new person, most of them have no idea. 
And then we have to decipher, well, where are you at on this process? And then we have to decipher, do you have endotoxemia? And then we have to decipher, can you digest your food? And then we have to decipher, what is the uh, inflammatory responses in your body? And is there going to be another thing that's going on? Or has this gone on long enough? So let's say somebody comes in and they're in their 60s. And they've had Hashimoto's for 30 years. And somebody maybe 20 years ago mentioned, yeah, you might have Hashimoto's. But they manage it the same way. Um, and they let this thing go. And these antibodies are now everywhere throughout the body, plus an endotoxemia. It is very difficult to manage those cases, and there has to be like twofold. You have to have not only they they are on medication for their Hashimoto's. It is everything, whether it's their diet and lifestyle and stress, you know, and if they're still working and they're in a high stress or trying to sell a business or trying to sell, it's the amount of nutrients they have to take, the amount of effort they have to put into their diet, the amount of making sure that they're getting uh, sufficient exercise to keep the, the body healthy is paramount. And it's a it's a, it's a full-time job. I got it. So it, it it's just where they are. But the problem with those individuals is they were, they were mismanaged. Uh, when somebody tells you you have an autoimmune thing and then here's this pill, that's not how it works. It, it's just not. It might make some symptoms go away, but you still have this thing festering. And that's the same thing with endotoxemia. You have a leaky gut. Great. What kind? I don't know. But you have a leaky gut. Here, take these supplements. And this thing is festering. And so it can become a bigger issue. Now, what if it's lipopolysaccharides or LPS? It's in the, an endotoxemia that's in the body, and now it's going to the to the cardiovascular system. Now you're getting a change in your blood pressure. Now you're getting a change in your um, dizziness. Now you're getting a change in your plaque. Now you're getting a change. It's a big deal. So in our office, we have like a big screen test. It's called uh, Cyrus-14 that catches a lot of things, but there's a, a better test as we're managing and going along that's actually coming from the blood, uh, and it's called the cyrus array 2 And we can actually check occluded and zonulin and those LPS uh, texts. We can see if they have endotoxemia, yes, no. We can make a change in their lifestyle, nutrition, exercise, whatnot, and then we can come back and retest re to make sure that it's, it's doing well. These things just aren't tested in... Um, you know, in the field of immunology. So I've never seen an endocrinologist check it, but they should. I've never seen a psychologist just check this. They do check leaky gut, but they don't get into the detail, and that's okay. Um, I, I don't see a gastroenterologist do this, and I wish I would. I really wish I because I would, I would like high-five, take me to lunch, we're going to go with it. I have a dentist who understands this, uh, which is great, and guess what? Guess who's our number? <laughs> that's who we like to refer to because they get it. They understand this, and we got we to gotta know. we got to open up. I might not know... Every single test that there is from a cardiologist, it's, then that's okay. That's not my field. But I, I try to know everything that, that they're doing because if I see something, like Wolf's Parkinson syndrome, somebody comes along with it and they're, you know, they moved into town and they haven't seen anybody for four or five years, you, you got to see somebody. <laughs> this, um, and, and it's not me. You have to go somewhere else. In the meantime, there are, there are things that we, we have to do. And if, if you, I, I know that some people are listening to this, they're like, I, I just, I just don't trust the medical world, and I know there are conditions that you, you may not trust that doctor, but you need to be in the medical world, and at the same time taking care of yourself and doing other things. And then there are other people who, you know, only a medical doctor would know about this. Someone I will ask him about this leaky gut thing, and they're going to tell me that it's not there yet. There's like two thousand research articles on it and peer-reviewed publications, and 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 on and on and on. It's being omitted, so you, you're lying to yourself. Um, and they're lying to themselves too because they haven't gone taken the time to, to go research and take a look at it. This is a real thing. And then how how bad does it go? And what does it do? And you know, once we get more inflammation, especially if it gets to the brain, then you get major depressive disorders. Um, and by the way, inflammation of the brain is a major cause of depression. So we have to get the inflammation out and, and under control. 
So once you start getting brain inflammation, you start getting, um, and, and these LPS get out there, they start to create these different types of proteins. There's, um, there's tau proteins, there's beta amyloid plaque, uh, plaques. You might have heard of these. They're conditions that promote dementia, Alzheimer's, and Parkinson's. So endotoxemia and LPS is more serious than just a leaky gut. And this is why the reason why some people have a major depressive disorder. So when somebody is like that in our office, I look there first. Now, I don't say don't go to your uh, psychiatrist, psychologist, counselor. It, that's that's all part of it when it goes on. But we have to fix the underlying mechanism. And then that helps whatever else they're doing work better. hope that makes sense. So this is how somebody who has had chronic depression for their entire life says, Forget this, I'm going to go to a functional medicine doctor. And they start to change their diet, and they start to exercise, and they improve the gut, and they start to have a dramatic change in their depression. Um, again, one of these main, main conditions is called endotoxemia, and when you have diabetes, endotoxemia is, is a big deal. Most of our unregulated diabetics have endotoxemia, so it's in the bloodstream. Now, the other thing that endotoxemia, the LPSs do, is they disrupt insulin. So they bind their to insulin receptors. So every time these people, or any time you eat uh, protein, fat, and carbohydrates, it should be converted into food, otherwise known as glucose, somehow, some way. And then we have to carry that glucose, and then these uh, insulin takes it into the cell. Now, if the LPS is now bound to the insulin receptor, the insulin can't take it in. And so we know that a lot of diabetics, because by way of high blood sugar, it breaks down these tight gap junctions, and all of a sudden they have a leaky gut, and that's what allows it to happen. So this is where when somebody comes into our office that is like that, that is getting into um, neuropathies, that is, I, my insulin just isn't being regulated. My insulin, um, I, I can't keep my blood sugar normal anymore. They have endotoxemia. So we have to start to push them toward that, and, and that's, that's what's happened. So their body's actually creating insulin resistance to the insulin they take, and, and this is how somebody... And another world can have insulin resistance to an insulin that they take, or, or I'm sorry, their insulin that they make. Miscorrected that, but that's another reason why insulin can be affected because these LPS are getting into the body. And the other thing that will make you disappointed, but it will make sense. This is how endotoxemia can create obesity, because not only is it binding to the insulin receptors, they're binding and activating fat cells. And the fat cells want energy because it's inflammatory and they will take on fat. So you will start to enlarge and swell based on endotoxemia. So LPS is a big deal. Now you have to detoxify it, right? So it can also get into liver. And then you have upregulation in liver. And this is this, this vicious cycle and all these different things that can, that can go on, not to mention the, the brain, or it can go to a kidney infection, it can go to atherosclerosis, it can create fatty liver, um, that for somebody who doesn't drink, it's a lot that goes in there. So I want to just kind of reiterate that there are a lot of reasons, or if somebody's been told that they have a leaky gut, we can't just walk in the door and say, okay, this is your protocol, this is what we're going to do, or we're going to give you a probiotic. It, it wouldn't work for any of these people. Or we're just going to take apple cider vinegar. It's not going to be enough. Or we're going to take some bio salts to help... Um, break this down. So there are more complicated cases because let's say somebody does, doesn't have a gallbladder. Let's say somebody uh, has Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Let's say somebody has traumatic brain injury or um, post-traumatic stress. 
or concussion, or they're already into Parkinson's Alzheimer's, um, or they have an unregulated autoimmunity that has been going on for years, or they're doing what's called the biologic sh uh, shuffle. I'll do this biologic and I'll do that biologic. It's, it's, those things aren't, aren't working for them, and that could be oral and immune intolerance and this combination of what's going on with this leaky gut. So that is the big picture is that I want you to understand that, hey, well, if, if, if you're not getting better and you're listening to this, whether you come see me or not, have all those things been investigated? And have they been investigated? Okay, great. Have they been retested? Because you have to, to, to know what's working. Um, and again, in our office, we have a lot of product that we, we've narrowed it down to a very few amount of companies. And the reason is that we see them clinically work. So we provide this product, somebody takes it um, by our recommendation, and then we run a test. Did you get better? Yes, no. And if we had like consistent no's on a particular company or product, regardless of what they had, it's not working for my patient population. It may work, I don't know, China, who knows. But it wasn't working for our patient population. Then we moved to this other one, and all of a sudden it's working on them. That's a product issue as opposed to a compliance issue. So we've luckily been doing this for about a quarter century, so we've got it down to this very few companies that we use because of effectiveness. Now, um, most of the time people walk in our office, compliance isn't an issue, um, especially a few months down the road. Now, at first, it's an education thing. Uh, I, I didn't know that it had gluten in it, <laughs> you know, so it's okay. Um, I didn't know that that was going to do that. It's okay. We 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 understand. So that's that's the, the, the bigger picture as we go through this. And so if you're not getting tested for these things and you've been told you have a leaky gut, again, including zonulin, actomycin, and LPS, extremely important to monitor. Uh, a lot of um, major labs do start to check now for LPS, so that's something that can be looked at. But even with LPS, um, you can get inflammatory skin conditions. Uh, if you've ever heard of psoriasis or um, rosacea, eczema, that can be a big deal. Um, hopefully in little kids, eczema is not, not that, but generally in little kids, we see... <coughs> Um, more of a breakdown in the, the barrier system only because they haven't developed yet. So we try to get them to develop, but um, we want to get those kids stabilized before 12 to 15 months, if at all possible. And then we're in pretty good shape. And then we can go check other stuff because it's hard to run blood tests on infants and toddlers. And getting the spit test, if we wanted to use that, good luck. <laughs> um, it's just, it's just uh, a little bit more complicated than that. So if you um, have been told that just L-glutamine will help heal the gut, yes and no. So bone broth really does help the intestines heal. Um, so if you're drinking bone broth or taking L-glutamine, that's great. But if you have a leaky gut and you don't change your diet or your exercise or maybe reduce some stress or help get some of the other things under control, you're, you're probably not going to make a whole lot of difference. Um, what if you have endotoxemia? You're probably not going to make a whole lot of difference because you haven't addressed the endotoxemia. Uh, and this is where I do have a little problem with the Internet. There's some wonderful things on the Internet. Take this, take that. Use this as a cleanse. Um, 
that doesn't work for a lot of people. Now, now some people have like light night and day. This is what I was talking about. Let's say they had just a couple symptoms, maybe a little sluggish and they had a little leaky gut, but they were able to digest everything else and it was going along great and they eat it. And they're a million times better, five-star review, <laughs> okay? And then you have another person that has intoxemia and maybe they have a, a lousy diet and maybe they're just so fatigued out they're not doing anything. And they have nothing. They have nothing. Or, you know, they have the inability to break any things down. Well, guess what? Bone broth has protein in it. And so these proteins get in there and cause more dissension and, and swelling that goes along with it. So again, swelling and distension that come along. And that's, that's where the difference has to be. So clinically, if we do something and somebody has a negative response, we don't ever look at that as, well, you have to get worse to get better. That is not... I don't know of anywhere that that has to be unless you're like, I have a, I don't know, shrapnel in my arm and we have, and it hurts like hell. And I need you to dig that out. If you've ever had a splinter, you know how bad that hurts. And then you get it out and it's like, ah, but digging it out doesn't feel good at all. That's, that's like the only scenario I could think that you might feel worse to get better. When it comes to digestion or breaking things down, or, or other things. That's that's where um, that can that can be a problem. So uh, there was a, a question that came in the office the other day about what about candida um, causing endotoxemia, and while we can find candida in the bloodstream, you, and you can have uh, candidiasis or an, an or an overgrowth of that. Having an overgrowth of candida isn't as bad as somebody who has dysbiosis with um, endotoxemia. So while we can measure the amount of uh, yeast in, let's say, a stool sample, and people have overgrown, uh, or they have too much yeast, which is a problem, it's much worse if it gets into the bloodstream. So one of the ways we measure that in the office is we actually do an antibody test in the blood. So once it gets in the blood, it, it becomes more serious. And when we get an idea that these people have a pretty bad leaky gut, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they have endotoxemia. And that isn't, we, we have to go figure out what's going on with that. So one of the variables is that you have a breakdown of these tight junctions, hence the leaky gut, the candida species get into the circulation, and then we have to measure that with antibodies. So for those people, their diet has to be an anti-fungal, anti-candida diet. And what really we're getting them off of sugar um, so that we can get this number to go down. That is a big, big test. Just, I wanted to clarify that that's the difference or that you know, what's the difference between immune and oral intolerance? So again, oral intolerance means you just can't break anything down. And there's a bunch of reasons that can happen. Um, one of the biggest things is called age. Once you get past 40, you stop making as much hydrochloric acid. Once you get past 40, you may not make enough bile salts or your diet hasn't allowed it to make enough bile salts. Or you had, um, you know, went to the, to the doctor because something hurt and they took your gallbladder. Now you don't have enough bile salts. You have what's called a um, cystic duct which becomes your new gallbladder because you still have to break down fats. So it's inefficient. Or maybe you have a sluggish gallbladder, but if you, you've had gallbladder issues and symptoms that went to it, but you've had all the tests run and there's nothing there because medically, 
a sluggish gallbladder which has sludge in it is non-medical. They're looking for porcelain gallbladder. They're looking for stones. They're looking for uh, something that's blocking, and that's when they would take it. So um, you can have a gallbladder, and, and the reason I'm bringing this up is that if you're, you can't digest things, or you have an infection called Helicobacter pylori, um, or you can't break down the, the proteins, everything else falls apart. And then it adds to the, the complication. Well, if you have a gallbladder that doesn't emulsify fats, um, then, you, or every time you eat a fat, you, you blow it and distend, you're not breaking it down. That complicates the situation. If you have a, an insulin resistance, a higher low blood sugar, or you can't, every time you eat sugar, I do this, or you have a candida overgrowth, it complicates the situation. And occasionally, and I say occasionally, parasites can affect the, the microbiome, but that's, again, why we look at different types of um, um, blood tests so we can take a look at to see if, if, if that's even there. But there's so much research with parasites right now that parasites are beneficial to autoimmune conditions, and so we don't want to get rid of all of them. But there are so many functional medicine doctors and parasite doctors and the Lyme doctors that that's all they want to do is get rid of something. And um, there's a, enough offsetting research that doesn't... Um, quantify this, which means that they, they can't actually heal autoimmunity, and this is a, a major breakthrough in the research that's been in the last three or four years, and these parasitic Lyme doctors are, are omitting this research, and I don't know why. Um, I mean, I was in that field. There's, I love the idea of, I mean, I don't love, I just was fascinated by parasites. It was always my, my favorite part when any time when we were in clinical laboratory science and Taking things apart and going, going to find it, and going to find the, you know, I, I looked at ten million cells today, and here's the one that has the malaria. I mean, that was just like it's. If you ever done a Where's Waldo? I mean, essentially, that's what it was. Uh, it was always fascinating to me. But understanding how these these health benefits work, or when we have um, to use this diet or that diet, or or when somebody's breaking this down, or if you're drinking coffee, should you drink coffee? Yes, you should drink coffee. It helps emulsify your fats, especially in the morning. It's it's high in. Um, good flavonoids and antioxidants. We, we want to have that that goes in there. So wonderful things that, that come along. So anyway, I just wanted to, to clarify because we're starting to have people who have endotoxemia and I wanted to give this a part. And if you don't or haven't been tested for it, I'm explaining why the need for that or why you've done this or you've done that and you haven't, haven't gotten any better. Um, Again, I know you have a lot of podcasts you can listen to, and I appreciate you taking the time to listen to ours. If you like it, please like it. If you would like to share it, that'd be awesome. We'd like to get this information out because we want people to be healthy and happy and and, and, and do whatever they have in this um, really time of, we'll call it confusion, of what's going on. What's, you know, what is the science? What is the, the method of, of going there? You know, and I, I tell you what, we have people that come in that feel like junk all the time, and they really have an attitude, and they really do, um, or they're just mean to my staff. And then they get to feeling better. And then they're pleasant, lovely people. And I'm not saying the whole world has endotoxemia, but there's definitely some things going on, um, whether it's political, uh, whether it's um, religious, whether it's um, global domination, that there's a lot of fighting that's going on. And some of these things have to do with what we're eating. A lot of it has to do with what we're eating. And if we just go back to um, what makes the body work, how do we make energy? We'll feel better. Great health does not have to be a mission impossible. I'm Dr. Alan Dreitz. Be well.